It is now time for Ant and Nick to press play. Hello, I'm Nick. And I'm Ant. And welcome to Ant and Nick Press Play on Episode 5 of Crime Traveller again. (sighs) Yeah, we've absolutely messed it up. I mean, it's no secret that this podcast has um, been hit with a a number of technical failures along the way. We've had to record these multiple times. (laughs) I think this must be the fifth or sixth time, actually, I've watched this episode. Actually, it might be the seventh in my life. Uh, we've watched Bright Traveller more times than I think anybody. Uh, we are experts now. Shall we just sack this off? <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got to get through it. Do you know what? I'm actually doing something I should have done on week one. I've got a backup recording going. So if my voice changes timbre halfway through, then you'll know that something did go wrong and I'm using the secondary recording. I'm not doing that. If this fails, you're not getting it, guys. We're going to use one of the backups that sound like I'm in a pond and sod you all. I mean, we've got you from the first take, me from the second take. Just stick them together. I'm sure they'll line up at some point. So... Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, well, not just yet, because we've got a bit of housekeeping to do. Mm -hmm. So, last time, in episode four, we left a number of unanswered questions hanging in the air. Uh, John Crowley's flat, we said it looked strange, inside and outside, actually. Outside, Mm -hmm. it looked like a weird Aztec pyramid thing. Yeah, it's horrible. And we wondered where it was filmed. Well, thank you to Ian Farrington at WordPress.com. I should have looked at his site to begin with, because he's got the answer. Brilliant. It's filmed at Alexandra Road Estate in North London. Is it still there? Yeah. People still live there. and Yeah, so go and visit it, climb up on the roof and (laughs) down the other side again to get the full experience. Um, Inside John Crowley's flat was also strange in that it didn't really look like it fitted him and his personality. That was just a bit of a misunderstanding <laughs> with the set department. But really? we were wondering about, on his chair, there was a couple of cushions in the shape of a 21, yeah. remember? And we were speculating that he got it for his 21st birthday. I can reveal, <laughs> even stranger than that, that for some reason they are the then-current logos for BBC One and BBC Two. <laughs> In cushion form. Oh, okay. All right. That is very odd. So what's happened? They've gone, yes, let's get some pillows. Oh, we've got these from the Andy Peters cupboard. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, let's use them. How weird is that? And, yeah. and is this Ian Farrington that said this? All on his website. Brilliant. Yeah. Very informative. Cafe Laville, a.k.a. Giovanni's in episode one. It is a real cafe. It's still going. Fingers crossed it survives the um, pandemic. You can see it on Google Maps Street View. Not only that, you can go inside it. Oh, wow. Google Street View goes in through the door. You can almost sit down where Holly and Jeff were. Amazing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and it's about, you know, a three-minute walk to Holly's flat, which is interesting. So you do two in the same day. Very good. I think once um, the restrictions we're currently in are a bit more lenient, uh, we should definitely go and see these things. Yeah. We have to. And then we'll report back on our crime travels. Right, so let's finally successfully talk about 
episode five of Crime Traveller, Sins of the Father. Yes, lovely title. Yeah, it's a better title than the last two. It's not Revenge of the Chronologies of Blah, Sins of the Father. Yeah, like it. This episode aired 29th of March, 1997. Yep. We don't need to do the cast. We know who's in it. They're all the same. Um, Quite an interesting guest cast this week. So, um, Slade's, Slade's late to the office <laughs> Yeah, again. He um, just doesn't care. <laughs> He's so bad at keeping time. He's got more time than anyone else in the world, and he's still late. You're late, Slade. Do you know what I like about you, Morris? No. no. Neither do I. What are you reading, Nicky? Um, the Bradford model. It's Metalink's study of the psychological aspect of inner-city policing. Huh. Sounds like a real page, Turner. Right. Hi. What's the score, then? Got the calls just like everyone else. Grisham's in with a divisional head down from Manchester. She's not transferring, is she? Why? Would you miss her? Ah, oh, they're all worse, I suppose. So we go from Morris to Nicky to finally Holly, going bam, bam, bam. Morning, morning, morning. We fit in pretty much the entire cast within about 15 seconds. There's a good line. I think this is the line of the episode. Do you know what I like about you, Morris? No. You do I. <laughs> Lovely moment. I laughed. Instead of saying morning. <laughs> no. Start the day right by saying, by the way, I don't like you. Uh, well, I've taken to using it on some of my Microsoft team calls. Um, just open it with, do you know what I like about you guys? No, neither do I. Uh, just carry on. <laughs> Jeff immediately goes and pours himself some coffee. His mug, did you notice it? No. A little blue mug. You always notice things like this, don't you? You always notice these things. I'm like, what? Now, (laughs) there's no mistaking whose mug it is, because it's got almost tipexed onto it. Slades. (laughs) Slades. So, I don't know what the backstory of that was. There was a hilarious mix-up one day when Nicky picked up the wrong cup or something. Well, I imagine Jeff is probably the kind of person that goes absolutely mental. Yeah. Should know which mug it is because it's got pencils in it. Yeah, pencil shaving. <laughs> Not this morning, it hasn't though, unless he swallows them with his first gulp. <laughs> oh god, I bet the inside of that mug is filthy. If they're anything like the mugs at my work, bloody hell. Yeah. So then he moves on to Nikki, who's uh, reading a boring book, the Bradford model. Yeah. It's not like a saucy page three thing about northern girls. Nope, it's about police procedure. Nerd. Yeah, he's big on his procedure. He's into it, but my God. Um, But you know what? To say how much he knows about police procedure and all this kind of thing, it doesn't make him good. Well, we'll get into that later on in the episode. So, boring. Slade walks away from Nicky, talks about a page turner, and then he meets another turner, Holly. So, they've been called in for something, but they don't know what about. Team meeting. (sighs) Grisham comes out of the office at this point. Yeah. She steps out with a gentleman, Gareth Aldroyd. Now, you're big on your IMDb cast lists and things. Who's playing Gareth? Have you got that? Yeah, Gareth Aldroyd is played by a man named Ray Lonan. Ooh, Lonan. Lonan. Um, unfortunately, he passed away in 2014, so he's no longer... Oh, that's a shame. ...no longer with us. I think he's actually oh. a really good actor. Plays his part really well. So this episode is dedicated to the memory of... Lonnie Donegan. What's his name again? Ray Lonnan. Ray Lonnan. R.I.P. As soon as Grisham introduces him, Slade's ears prick up. All droid? 
So, yeah, the reason Aldroyd has visited this department is because he's after a guy called Lenny Gebler. Well, I've been closing in on Gebler for the past two years. Now I've had a tip-off. He's here to pick up a consignment of diamonds stolen in Preston. He's collecting them, and I'm going to be there. The Leighton diamonds? Well, you know about those. I read about them in the newspaper. It's supposed to be worth about a million. Try two. Actually, what with the RAND falling so low and a 27% market penetration from the Russian diamond exchange, I think you'll find that the prices are falling quite spectacularly, sir. Thank you, Robson. Now, they call him a fence. Yeah. I'd not heard of the term before. And also, they don't explain in this what it is. So sort of taken as read that we should know what that means. Yeah, it's kind of police jargon, isn't it? So for those who don't know, a fence, also known as a receiver, a mover or moving man, is an individual who knowingly buys stolen goods in order to later resell them for a profit. So there we go. Which makes sense, because a fence is something that divides two areas. So he's in the middle, like a literal fence. I don't know if that's where that's coming yeah. from. So... These diamonds that he's collecting are the Leighton diamonds, quite high-profile robbery, because Holly's heard of them, yeah. and she suggests that they're worth about a million quid. Old Droid corrects Well, by yeah. two mil, I mean, Pricky Nicky puts in a bit here, doesn't he, and, yeah. and starts to mouth off a bit. The, Shut up. He does, yeah, going, oh, actually, uh, but then after, this is what got me thinking. When he says it, the rest of them kind of chuckle, and he turns and chuckles with them. So does he know that he's annoying? Is he being deliberately contrary, or has he got a compulsion that he just can't (laughs) stop? Because that's the first thing he said to Aldroyd. Never met him before. Yeah, it's Um, weird, isn't it? If he knew he was being annoying, why say it? (sighs) Yeah. But anyway, that's his boring fact out of the way. Yeah. Go back to his boring book. So they're going to intercept these diamonds, but they need an expert gemologist. Well, it just so happens that they've got one. Uh, Holly, are you doing out? <laughs> yeah. Chief? Yes, what are you doing now? Well, I'm testing out that new surveillance equipment. Well, that can wait. Yeah, I want someone to authenticate the diamonds. Well, gemology really isn't my field. But can you do it? Yes. Good. I want you there. Where is there? Well, according to the tip-off, it's a warehouse Slade by the river, nine o'clock tonight. Slade? Yes. What? Oh, God. They need to employ more people in this department. It's no good. Again, she says she's busy, though. Not only is she not a gemologist or a seamstress, but she's busy doing something else. She's testing some surveillance equipment. Meanwhile, Jeff's just sauntering in, drinking coffee from his mug. Oh, hello, everyone. Can't they just hire someone who's a gemologist? There must be somebody. He can do it, that guy from last week. Sutherland. Yeah, exactly. He'd know. Just at the end of this scene, Aldroyd hears Slade's name said. And his ears prick up as well. And he makes a big show of it, going, Did you you say Slade? Mm, Yeah, looks like he's seen a ghost, doesn't he, a little bit? So, um, yeah, the tip-off is at a warehouse by the river at 9pm. Remember that, 9pm. Oh, what, 9pm? Yeah. Really important, yeah. In Grisham's office, Aldroyd asks a bit more about Slade. Wants to know whether Jeff Slade is any relation to Jack Slade, who, if you remember from episode three, was also a police officer, who Jeff didn't really want to talk Mm. about. So we finally find out Jeff's dad's name. I don't think this has been revealed yet. Jack and Jeff. So from here on in, we are going to have to be saying Jeff Slade and Jack Slade, not just Slade. So uh, we find out that Aldroyd was Jack Slade's former partner. Yes. Professionally. (laughs) I stress. Not lovers. (laughs) And Aldroyd wants Slade off the case. 
I don't believe this. Look, I don't want him on the case. I've nothing against him personally, but, uh, well, you must know Jack, his father. Yes. I was his partner. I knew that, too. Well, you've got to understand that, you know. I mean, uh, after what happened with the father, I can't get involved with the son. Look, if I take Slade off this case, I'll be passing judgment on his father and on him, and I can't do that. <sighs> Out of all the places Gebler could have gone, why did he have to come here? So, the warehouse, by the river, 9pm. Mm-hmm. Or not. Broad daylight. There's three guys waiting for Gebler. They are Max and Melvin Marsh. Yep. <laughs> Do you remember Melvin and Maureen's musicogram? Mm, no, I don't. That's Sophie Aldred in it. Kids TV. They got requests for like a certain type of song that they had to make up or something. I don't know. But that's what reminded me of that. Max and Melvin Marsh's musicograms. And a third guy, um, Henry Blacksland. He's the strangest looking guy. He looks like Aphex Twin, but not even the real Aphex Twin. The mask of Aphex Twin <laughs> that's all stretched. <laughs> yeah, he does look odd. It's a shame, isn't it? But obviously that's the look they were going for. And that's the look of criminals. So anyway, there's a stakeout happening. Grisham, Oldroyd in one car. I think Morris is in the car as well. And obviously Holly and Jeff are in another vehicle. Standing by. So Jeff says a little bit more about Oldroyd here. He says he recognises the name and then just tells Holly to forget it. There's a lot of this. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it, but no, it do worry about it. Forget it. Lenny Gebler makes a great arrival here. Yeah, he's, he's funny, isn't he? He's a bit changing rooms, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Lenny Gebler. Um, he's played by an actor called Stephen Greif. Um, and I checked that on a, an interview with him today, and he said his own name. So that's it, Greif. Hello, I'm Stephen Greif. Now, I didn't recognise him, but um, if I watched Blake's Seven, I would recognise him immediately. Oh, yeah. As yeah. the baddie in it, one of the baddies. I don't really know who they are, but Travis he played. One of the guys who played Travis, and then he was replaced, and there's a big hoo-ha in the fandom, because they think the second Travis was shit. <laughs> <laughs> but that's for Blake Seven podcast anyway so anyway back to crime traveler episode five sin to the father so yeah lenny gebler does a rather dramatic entrance by leaping off a boat mm. he's got a nice scarf and like a nice coat and yeah really really strong performance here and he he goes in he's got the money um and he's exchanging the diamonds at this point the team rush in so there's a raid grisham makes a rare running appearance i've never seen grisham run before very odd they rush in to grab everyone. Don't go very well, though, because Oldroyd immediately has a gun held to his head. Another guy comes out of nowhere. I don't know where he's from. Jeff's got to go and save the day. So he thinks, right, I haven't gone rogue for five minutes. The shot glasses are gathering dust. So this is very rogue. This is like episode one kind of rogue. What do you do when you have to save the day? Do you get out of a car and walk up or run up? Or do you drive your car into the front of a building? He's thinking on his feet. Unfortunately, his foot's over the accelerator pedal. So... dramatic ram raids but no consideration of the fact that holly's in the passenger seat (laughs) 
she's just got to go along with Jeff's impulsivity and um, nearly goes through the windscreen. Yeah, I, I hope they had their seatbelt on, to be honest. Otherwise, I don't think they have, really, because they're, they're getting ready to leap out, aren't they? Did he warn Holly that he was going to go flying through the front no. wall? Did he just, did he say... Yourself. Just did it. No, he didn't say put your seatbelt on. You might die today. And he didn't do any of that. He just drove straight in. Yeah. Holly definitely could get a whiplash claim in here yeah. against Jeff and she'd get thousands. There's no time for whiplash because Holly's got to look at these diamonds, remember? Oh, yeah, of course. So, straight away, get the glass out of your air and have a look at these diamonds. Pretty tiny. I know they're diamonds and that, but I was imagining like a massive big hunk of a gem. But no, they're little tiny things. They look like glass. They could have just fallen out of her air, really. So she looks at them, and then she's not 100% what they are. <laughs> After all that. What do you think? It's amazing. Three carats, no inclusions. Is it a real diamond? Well, I told you before I'm no expert, but they're certainly not cubic zirconium. That's the most common substitute. Uh, would you mind checking another one, just, just to be sure? You're stuffed! They're real. Thank you. So yeah, the Marsh Brothers and Henry Hatstand have um, <laughs> have been arrested. One of them, and I'm sorry for this language, one of them says, get stuffed, screams it. <laughs> yeah, it does. Cover your ears, children. And then Gebler's arrested. And then, <laughs> it's really funny, um, tries to escape just out of nowhere, just goes, <laughs> and then runs punches one of the Marsh brothers in the head, <laughs> saying, he set me up. Brilliant. Quite an exciting 30 seconds of action. Yeah, it's all right. But yeah, they're all led off. An old droid hands the pouch full of diamonds to Grisham. It's an obvious moment, isn't it? Here's the diamonds. We cut to Grisham and old droid. Yeah. Um, and they're having a bit of a chin wag in the back of mm. the car. I dare say a bit of flirting going on. Hmm? What do you reckon? Yeah, and I think they might have had a bit of a relationship in the past, maybe? I don't know. There seems to be an indication of that. I kind of got the impression that they knew each other. Yeah. I'm sure he would have heard Jeff Slade's name a few times if they had met when she uh, debriefed um, (laughs) in more ways than one. Excuse me. (laughs) So, yeah, they're in the back of this car. Aldroid says, what are you going to do with them? And he says it in a way as if she's going to spend them. Oh, I'm going to take family on a cruise. No, what she's going to do is put them in her safe. But surely there's somewhere a bit better than her own personal safe. Well, yeah. But. I mean, clearly they don't trust Frank, Mm. do they? Surely he's where you normally keep them. He'll just put them in an unsealed envelope on the side (laughs) that says diamonds. (laughs) Anyway, they go in her safe. And it's all right, because only Grisham knows the combination. Yeah, fair enough. She would never tell anyone, would she, Anne, what the combination was? I mean, not that, you know, a safe can be broken into by a criminal, let's say. I tried to have a look what else was in that safe, and I couldn't really. There's paperwork, and there's, like, some files. and Jeff Slade's birth certificate, probably. (laughs) (laughs) That's a twist. Grisham being Jeff's mum all along. Oh, the secret that she will never tell him. Yes. So we cut to a posh bar and Holly and Slade are on another date that isn't a date. 
I'm getting mixed messages from them. He, he, he tends to put this under the pretense of work, but it seems to be a bit more fun. He seems to blur the lines a little bit. They're always talking about work. They've got no other topics of conversation, really. And whenever Holly's tried to talk to him about anything else, he's changed the subject. Yeah, he loves work. He loves his work. You're not your usual self. Hmm? You're pleasant to all droid. In fact, you've been pleasant to everyone. You even said goodnight to Morris. Yeah, well. So how do you know him? Who, Aldroyd? Well, I don't know if it's the same man. It's got to be. He was my father's partner. I I thought your father retired from the police force. No, he has. So? So nothing, Holly, just forget it. Forget it. Just forget it, Holly. Just forget it. Yeah, don't worry about it. I didn't mention it. Nope. But Holly's been pondering this. She wants to know why the diamonds have come down to London in the first place, if they come from Preston, and why didn't Gebler have any money on him to pay for them? She mentions American Express as an option. <laughs> yes. That's one of those things that I'm, I still don't... I don't know what it is. The only thing I know about it is that no one accepts it <laughs> anywhere. If anyone can write in and tell us what American Express is, and has anyone actually got an American Express card? Mm. So then Holly just sort of leaves abruptly, even though they've still got some wine left in the bottle. More wine? Nah, I'm going. Oh, all right. See you then. You going to stay? Yeah, I'm going to stay. See you then. Bye. So she's gone. And then Jeff is walking home alone, back to his flat. We cut to a massive close-up of a syringe being held very prominently to camera. Here's a needle, here's a Jeff. And a masked man. Oh, very scary. And then Jeff's immediately knocked out as soon as he enters his home. Yeah. It looks, well, this confused me at first because he goes into his house and it looks no different from the back alley. <laughs> and I, I didn't really know where it was at first. It's all metal on the inside, metal staircases. And yeah. I mean, I thought that too. I mm. thought, yeah, he was outside and they did it outside. You think he would have realised that know. someone had Got in. Probably left the door open as he was running late to work. So the next morning, Holly's finally testing out this surveillance equipment in a very obvious way by pulling the blinds back. <laughs> as you do. <laughs> Sticking this little thing on the window. Yeah, the magical listening device, I want to call it. I mean, the thing is, she's testing this out but in a very invasive way, which I'm sure goes against any sort of data protection act. It's really clear, really clever device for 1997. Um, Effective through steel or glass, the listening device has a range of 60 feet and a typical battery life. I can't believe it. This place has all-night security. Well, you can't deny the evidence with your own eyes, Kate. I put them in there myself. You saw me. I know where we should be looking. Okay. Mr. Morris. Ah, uh, you. You, come with me. The diamonds have been stolen from the safe. Diamonds are gone. He doesn't say exactly what's going on, but yeah, we come to find out that bit. Of course, first thing is, Grisham asks where Slade is. Turner, have you seen Slade? No, Chief. Why, what is it? Do you know where he went last night? We had a few drinks and I left. When we left the warehouse, you weren't following me, were you? No, Chief. Why? Just let me know when he arrives. She must be thinking, well, that's me getting arrested again. Well, yeah, I mean, at what point do you think, ooh, have I implicated myself <laughs> like I did with my own auntie? Is this me and Jeff that have done it? 
Yeah, because as soon as you start to time travel, you start to realise you've cut things up already before you've done it. Yeah. Have I just walked down this corridor in the opposite direction? I mean, she could have gone, yeah, we were behind. We were following behind. Yeah, you know, we were both at the warehouse and then we both went back to work. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's reasonable, Mm. isn't it? Yeah, we just finished. Yeah. And if you weren't following, then where were you going, Holly? Straight to the bar? Um, no, probably going to the garage to fix the windscreen of the car. <laughs> it's been oh dear. Cut two. <laughs> Morning, Jeff. You alright, mate? Jeff wakes up on a bench. <laughs> Flies coming out of his mouth. <laughs> Quite a nice looking park. They could have at least put him in his own bed. <laughs> in the same clothes from the night before. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he's always wearing the clothes from the night before, pretty much, isn't he? That's true. The jacket's the same. He's got the same style of shirt in eight different colours, and he's got the same style of jeans, or chinos, whatever they are, in eight different colours. This one is horrible because he's got a clashing shirt and jeans. They're both, like, kind of bluey-greeny colours. Not nice. He looks a right state. I bet he stinks. Oh, yeah. Especially if he's, like... (laughs) One, been drinking, and two, has got tranquilizer running through his veins. <laughs> so Just stinks. At first, I thought he'd time-traveled a bit further, because we see in the background a woman who looks like she's from the 1940s pushing a really old pram with a beret and a long coat, like her off of Hello, Hello. Yeah. I shall see this only once. It's all right, Jeff can go back and hear it again, can't he? Another time. Walking down the corridor the wrong way. So, um, meanwhile, there's a search going on at Jeff's house. Aldroid's there, Morris is there, looking for clues. Hey, something we didn't talk about, which I didn't even spot it until we'd already released it. But the last time we saw Jeff's flat, this was very prominent and I just didn't notice it. But on his bedroom door, there's like a mural, like a painting of a Roman sculpture or something. Mm -hmm. Like a white marble statue. And then here we see the same shot again because someone comes out of his bedroom. Bed's not been slept in. And then next to that, there's like a mural of like, I don't know, I'm going to guess like Italian kind of landscape. Really weird. And then the bottom of it, it's more like like a youth centre in it or something. (laughs) Really weird. I don't understand it. I mean, what must Aldroyd have thought going into that? (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. the God, the design department are at it again. All of Jeff's food has very badly done labels covering up all the brand names. I mean, last week we got a gratuitous shot of some Castlemaine 4X in the front. This time we've got cans of lager with lager, 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 lager written on it. Um, who did that song now? <laughs> lager, 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 lager. <laughs> Maybe play that in the background. Um, yeah, lager, lager and bottles of beer, beer, beer and j- a jar of tomato soup I mean maybe this isn't the prop department maybe that is Jeff that's done that maybe that's just so he knows what he's got to get out of the fridge I want this place turned upside down the bed hasn't been slept in sir keep looking I don't think Slade ever does any shopping sir Morris pulls the ice tray out and then shows Aldroid. Yeah, there's something in there. So yes, the diamonds have been frozen in the ice. Which I was thinking, I mean, that's a good place actually to hide them. If it weren't for the fact that they were immediately discovered. By Morris of all people. 
my more realistic discovery would have been they're looking around, they can't find anything. Morris pours himself a drink, <laughs> pops an ice cube in it, yeah. starts choking. <laughs> Somebody does the Heimlich maneuver, yes. and then he spits out three diamonds onto the floor. <laughs> no, no, you could have got a whole another quarter of an hour out of that. Yeah. He drinks it, swallows it, chokes, has to go to hospital. <laughs> Then he has to pass the diamond, cue a hilarious pooing scene where he's constipated. Um, and then you get Grisham receiving the diamond and a weird, disgusted face. So we cut back to the station. Now, I didn't realise it. I'm glad I've watched this 14 times now because I didn't notice this until literally today. This scene starts with Nicky at his computer. Yes. Morris and Holly are both sat pressing his keys on his keyboard, <laughs> annoying him. And he's like trying to slap them away. Get off. I think he says something like, press F1. Just annoying. But they don't get too far with it because Jeff arrives. Stumbles in, holding the back of his head, I think, isn't he? Like, you know, oh, oh. Holly tries to intercept and says, get out, go home. But no, it's too late. Slade! And this this is the thing. This is the weird thing. Because you wouldn't turn up to the office if you'd done something wrong. No. So he clearly is not aware that he's done something. Um, so he turns up and he gets the old Grisham treatment. Slade! There's a lot of slading going on. So he's hauled into the office, Grisham and Aldroyd, uh, explaining to him what they have discovered. Mm-hmm. It turns out there's no diamonds in the safe. Oh no, they're coloured beads. Beads. This time we don't need a science officer to confirm it. You went drinking last night? Uh, yeah, I had a glass or two of wine, yeah. That's not why I'm like this, though. There was someone waiting for me in my flat when I got back last night. They, uh... They knocked me out and drugged me, I think. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not pissed. Um, yeah, Slade tells Grisham that he got tranquilised and dragged to the park. Yes. No one seems bothered by that bit of key information, but never mind. What they are bothered about is that three diamonds were found in the ice box. So, now we have a bit of very clunky dialogue. Jeff, tell me something. Do you know the combination of this safe? 36... 17, 25. No. See, nobody had those numbers. Were you ever in the room when the safe was open? I don't know the numbers to the safe, and I didn't take the diamonds, Chief. You know me better than that. I don't know what to think. I don't believe this. I mean, what have we got here, you know? Like father, like son, or what? Slade! Move my father out of this. Don't do that. Don't make things worse for yourself. Nobody knew the numbers to that safe. 36, 17, 25... <laughs> Yeah, you know, the numbers to the safe that I've never told anyone. 36, 17, 25. Yeah, I mean, she may as well give Slade the chance to get out a notepad and write it down. Yeah. Oldroyd says the phrase, like father, like son, which really riles up Jeff. Jeff goes for him. Yeah. Grabs him by the throat. It's weird. This line, Oldroyd just goes, don't do that. And it just sounds a bit... A bit of an anticlimactic line. Don't do that. <laughs> and you would think Jeff would be a bit more happier here because we find out he no longer has an overdraft. Yes. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> I thought, brilliant. Result. Grisham has got a printout of his bank statement. I don't know how, but never mind. Confidential information, isn't it? Um, 
Well, cheers to the police. And uh, yeah, Jeff mentions his overdraft. Oh yeah, got to print it on my overdraft, have you? No. He's got no overdraft. Yay! Well done. Paying off your overdraft, Jeff. Yay! Yeah, you think he'd be a little bit more happy about the news. He's not. Um, he's got 25 grand in his account. Now, I paused this. Because I thought, info. Mm. We have a close-up of his bank statement. A lot of good information in this. Yeah, good. Let's go. So, he banks with the Metropolitan Bank. Like it. Jeff's account number. You know, 37, 62, 46, 34, 69. (laughs) You know the sort code. 59, 39, 23. I was really tempted to try and pay some money into that. (laughs) I might do (laughs) (laughs) Mr. J Slade. So, he hasn't got a middle name. This is the info we want. Now, we've got loads of information on his money. Not only that, we've got a date for this episode, for when this is set. Wow. Because the £25,000, Grisham says, was paid in two days ago. And it says on the bank slip, 7th of December, which means that this is the 9th of December, 1996, presumably. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. How's this for continuity? I'm not going to bother going on about what Holly's account number and sort code is. All I know is that the bank she banks with is called Bank. (laughs) (laughs) And her her, um, statement on the screen says bank money. But both of them have got a payment in of £900. So I wonder if that's their wage going in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's not a lot, is it? Holly should probably be on more money for the amount of work that she does compared to Jeff. His overdraft is resting roughly on the 2K line. But yeah, every single bit of money he's got is in negative (laughs) until the 25,000. So that's good. See, they're putting effort into that again. But they're not putting effort into Holly's speech that time. Yeah. Or lager, lager, lager. Lager. Anyway, as we're looking at that, the fire alarm goes off. Convenient. And Slade uses that opportunity to slam old droid against the wall and escape. Yeah, this bit's great. I love this bit. Makes my day... Every time I watch it. Uh... Poor Morris. They go chasing after Slade. They're running down a corridor. Morris runs into a trolley. Just wheels out onto the corridor. Oh, God. Morris goes straight over it. It's so funny. Arse over to It's Morris's gormless expression. Morris's stuntman's good in this. He goes right over it. Oh, if it was a stuntman. If it was Paul Trussell, then um, kudos. But yeah, it's, it's very good fall. Absolutely head over heels. Probably breaks his spine in the process. <laughs> That's what makes me laugh. <laughs> Frank goes to try and help, but he's locked in his little cage. Let me out, let me out. Slade runs past Lenny Gebler, who's in the cell that Holly and the scat man were in the other week. And Lenny looks confused. Strange. Oh, that's strange. Oh, what's happening here? Ugh. Hey, we haven't talked about his accent, have we? <laughs> he's got a very kind of camp fruity accent, hasn't he? Yes. So he's talking about the diamonds. And then Slade manages to find a car in the car park that is open and has the keys in the ignition already. Good. And off he goes. I speculated the other week that when Holly escaped in very similar slash too similar circumstances, when she escaped, I was like, oh, imagine if that was Morris's car. (laughs) Well, this time it is. He's got away. Yeah, I noticed that too. Why don't you stop him? My door was locked. I suppose it was your car just sitting here waiting for him, was no. it? No. No, it was mine. Oh. <laughs> Old droid is like, what on earth have I come into here? <laughs> He's escaped. You fell over a trolley. You were locked in your bloody office like an idiot. Somebody locked me in. 
you've left your keys in the ignition and your car's been stolen. So he's like, oh, Keystone Cops or what? It's good slapstick comedy. So Holly takes things into her own hands and she's going to go and find Slade. Nikki, if anyone asks for me, tell them I've gone home. Are you going to find Slade? Nikki. If you see him, will you tell him that I'm right behind him? Thanks. Yeah, if he needs a character witness, you know, it is only a first offence. Thanks, Nikki. I wanted to punch him. No end of times. Percy prick. <laughs> um, so Morris has had a little brainwave and says to Oldroyd that it might be worth keeping an eye on Holly because where one goes, the other is sure to follow. Oldroyd agrees and goes, yeah, fine. Well done. Go after her. Morris is like quite pleased with himself. We're having an idea. <laughs> and you know what? He had the right idea because Jeff is waiting already at Holly's flat. I was worried she wasn't going to make it. I couldn't just leave with Grisham and everyone else there. I came as soon as I could. You know what's been going on, don't yes. you? I've been set up. There was someone waiting for me in my flat last night. They drugged me and put some needle in my neck. They put the diamonds in the fridge. They put £25,000 in my bank account. I've got to travel back. I've got to find Fine. out how it was done. What, you mean you're going to let me use the machine and not have to go down on my knees and beg for it? It's all yours. That must be more trouble than I thought. Good as well, she does owe him one. Yeah. Morris has arrived already, so they've got to stall the cops for a bit. Now, this bit's brilliant. (laughs) As they run past Danny, Danny's just mopping the floor, they ask him to hold off the police. He's a bit confused because they are the police, but he knows something's going on and he quite enjoys it. Yeah, he loves it. So he goes, yep, fine, no problem, don't worry about it. Um, Jeff jumps a bucket. It's the best moment of the episode. (laughs) Jumps a bucket, better than those parkour tricks. Holly and Jeff are getting the machine set up. Now, we talked about this before when Holly closes those shutters when she's doing the machine and we were wondering what this does, if it's sealed off the room in time or whatever. It's quite explicit here that it's a circuit. Right. All these shutters have got little connectors with lights on. Jeff's doing them this time, bam, bam, bam. So that completes the circuit around the room. Quite clever. No, it's good that. Yeah, makes sense now. Yeah. Slade puts his order in for how long he wants to go back. <laughs> I need more than a day, definitely. Yeah, like she can just program it. But um, Holly says, well, I've said before, Jeff, how many more times, that we can't predict it. <laughs> but conveniently, it always seems to go pretty much exactly where they need it to be. Holly suggests that Jeff just crosses his fingers. Cross your fingers. Jeff's already got them crossed. She's quite nice. So Morris arrives with Oldroyd and all that. And Danny doesn't tell them about the wet floor. I was kind of thinking, could get in a lot of trouble there, Danny. But he doesn't care, he's a rebel. Danny's gone rogue. (laughs) Danny's loving it. And then there's a lovely little moment where he just sort of looks down and gives a little smile and just goes, why not? Pours a whole bucket of water on the floor. I think he likes being part of this because, you know, as we've suggested a few other times, I don't think he gets out of that corridor much. So A little bit of mischief. Yeah, so he pours water on the floor. He pretends he can't open the door properly. He pretends to be deaf, doesn't he? (laughs) Yeah. So everyone runs past him. And then Morris gets... (laughs) (laughs) Morris has laid his coat down like a gentleman. Unfortunately, he's still in it. Yeah. About 20 minutes after he's fallen head over heels, he's the first one to run into the soapy water. And then he falls the other way. Yeah. He probably cracks his back back into place, to be honest. It's probably good. He's probably brain damaged beyond belief. That's twice we've had this shot where he's fallen over and the other police have just run past him. <laughs> Perfectly unharmed. They don't slip on anything. They're all running in it. I think it's because Morris has just galloped across it like a <laughs> horse. Yeah. 
for the first time, we see the outside of the room as it's changing. So, Aldroid and the gang running up the corridor effectively disappear as time goes back. Yeah. Which is nice. Crossing his fingers works because they've gone back 24 hours, almost exactly 24 hours. 1.30 yesterday afternoon. Kepler arrived at the warehouse at 10 past 2. We're not going to make it. It's not bad. It's given us 24 hours. It's given us 24 seconds. So not 9pm. Yeah, weird. That was a mistake. That is one of the only actual continuity errors I've spotted in the script, I think. It cuts to the warehouse by the river. For some reason, Holly and Jeff are up on a chimney. Sort of, yeah. Weird thing. Lookout post. We don't see how he's got up there. No. Has Holly been learning parkour? So they get to see Jeff ram raiding the warehouse again from above bird's eye view, which is a nice little shot. Jeff loves it. He's going, oh, look at that. It's brilliant. I put my friend in danger. (laughs) We've already established there's no airbag in this car. (laughs) That's us. Did it have to go in that way? I love a dramatic entrance. Wish we could get closer. No, we can't meet ourselves, Slade. Let's not make things more complicated than they already are. What now? Christian will come out with the diamonds. She takes them to the station and then she'll put them in the safe. All we've got to do is make sure we're close to her. That easy. If only. There she is. And she's got the diamonds. I don't know why they had to get there for the raid, because they know what happened in the raid. They're not getting any new information out of this. Jeff wants to be closer, but again, Holly reminds Jeff that they can't meet themselves. Yeah, we get it. Uh, Episode 5, you've said this every single time. Um, If this doesn't build up to them meeting themselves at some point, I'm going to be bitterly disappointed. Yeah, so all that happens, and then Holly and Jeff follow Grisham. So it was them. They're trying to keep their eyes on these diamonds at all times, just to track exactly where they've been. Yeah. She says, oh, we better not get too close. And you're pretty close. You're like two car lengths away. (laughs) You're close enough for her to immediately recognise that she's being followed. Holly says, oh, do you not want to see who knocked you out? Jeff goes, nah, not bothered. (laughs) Nah. I mean, I would be very bothered. I mean, initially, when I watched this, way back in whenever that was, I thought the person that had knocked him out was him. Um, But turns out, no. Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers. <laughs> Having looked at it again today, I don't really know who it was still. I don't recognise the eyes. That's all you can see through the balaclava. So they're having a, a stakeout, another one, of uh, Grisham's office. They've broken in. Mm-hmm. Holly's all curled up in a little blanket or whatever it is, or coat. We see Frank again, doing his security rounds. Patrolling the area. Why is Frank there still? Does Frank work 24 hours? What's going on? Well, yeah, he was definitely there at midday, wasn't he? I mean, maybe overtime, but I mean, he seems to be there a lot. I know. Sleeps in his cage. And I wonder no one knows what's going on because they're all like, they're all overtired. Can't see straight. Oh, they're all delirious. Well, there's no other workers, is there? I mean, Holly's having to do six different jobs. Frank's having to cover security at night and during the day. (laughs) Anyway, Frank shines the torch in, doesn't see anything, goes. So then Jeff decides to open the safe. Yeah, it's only just occurred to him to look. Two hours in. But this is stupid, right? Talk about incriminating yourself. Oh, God, did they learn nothing these last few weeks? What are you doing? I'm going to see inside. I thought you didn't know the combination. I didn't. Until Grisham told me. When? Tomorrow morning. 36. 17... 25. Now, I've seen this 
47 times, as I've said. I can't remember those numbers off by heart. Yeah, same. He's remembered them. But then he doesn't cover his fingerprints up, does he? So he's putting his fingerprints on the safe. What if he was going, no, it wasn't me, somebody else must have done it, and they've gone, well, we've got your fingerprints on the safe. Yeah, yeah, he's not the smartest. Um, so he gets his fingerprints on the lock. He gets his fingerprints on the diamond pouch. But he don't get his hands on the diamonds because they're not diamonds. They've already been changed. So that was a waste of time. And then in the frustration, Slade just slams a load of beads on the table. <laughs> Which I thought, yeah, very reckless. I thought, well, now they're all over the room. Stupid. Yeah, really stupid. Yeah, so they decide to take advantage of the fact that Jeff is having a lovely little sleep on a park bench to go to Jeff's flat, not thinking maybe there's some criminals there yeah. and maybe the man with the syringe is still there. Holly comments again about the lack of furniture and Jeff points out that he's got a table, unfortunately. It's a ping pong table. Yeah, I was going to say, why? What every lonely man needs, a two-player game. <laughs> it's not practical, is it? I thought he'd just got it for this episode, but it's in episode three as well. They eat off it. <laughs> But, um, yeah, you can't really see it in that one. It's just weird. The whole flat is weird that he lives down on his own and it's cold and it's dark. I just don't understand any of it. He's got no friends. He's not got a girlfriend. He's had a wife, but he doesn't mention it. What's going on with this? Yeah, also, I mean, it's not like Jeff's not, or at least Jeff as played, isn't the kind of person to have these kind of quirks. Just if I can just mention the J word, Creek, um... Yeah, well, he's got his weird little things that he does. Yeah. Eating Weetabix all the time and yeah. cutting up his Barbie dolls and all this kind of thing. Yeah. But that fits him. It doesn't fit Jeff. Yeah, he's a maverick, but he's not an eccentric. No, he doesn't need any of this. <laughs> he's very straight-laced. It's completely wrong. Yeah, so Holly wants answers about why he's being so evasive about his dad and old droid and all that. Um, Jeff just pisses about with the, <laughs> the ping-pong for a bit. So... You're going to tell me? Sir. Your father. Now, I don't know what he's got to do with all this, but it's something, because every time I mention his name, you get all evasive. Ready? Stop it. You're doing it again. Now, where is he? What happened to him? Okay. He's in prison. What? He was a bent copper, we think. Because he stole money from a bank raid. He got a nine-year sentence, and Jeff hasn't seen him for five years. And then Jeff explains what happened. It was a bank raid. £200,000. That was a lot of money then. He was in charge of the case with Aldroyd. That's how Aldroyd got his promotion. Only the trouble was half the money went missing. And your father got the blame? Yeah. He said he was innocent, but... Go on. Well, there's nothing more to say. You would have thought he would have mentioned this a bit earlier, seeing as it's exactly what's happening at the moment. Jeff goes, that was a lot of money then. It makes a big point of that. It's only five years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's still a lot of money anyway. It's not like saying, threepence halfpenny was a lot of money then. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of money, yeah, whichever way. And then, weird throwaway line that Jeff was out of the country when Jack was on trial, but he read all about it in the papers, and that's why... He doesn't read the newspapers. What? That's to try and give him some sort of personality, isn't it? He doesn't read the papers and he's a man of mystery. It just makes him an idiot. Yeah. I mean, don't read like the tabloids maybe, but I don't know. Really silly. Michael French, God bless him. 
he struggles a bit sometimes with the sincere moments, doesn't he? When he's trying to be emotional, talking about his dad. He was commended four times. So, anyway, he's not seen him in five years, but they're going to go and see him tomorrow. So, let's get a good night's sleep, eh? Mm-hmm. Holly gets the bed this time. No beer was thrown. Oh. So, it's fine. Holly gets the bed. But I no. think the sofa is a, probably a better option because he hasn't put clean sheets on. Well, I thought that. I thought, oh, what? I hope Jeff's the kind of person that cleans his sheets daily. Maybe that's another of his personality quirks. Fresh bedding every day. And then a game of ping pong. Sit and stare at the wall. I don't know. It would be clean, wouldn't it? Because he's not slept in it because he got drugged. Although, another little continuity error. Earlier, when they were searching the flat, they said the bed hadn't been slept in, didn't they? Oh, that's weird. So where did Holly sleep? (laughs) There's a lot of plot yeah. points here that we're uncovering. So, we cut to prison. Slade Prison. Weird name for this prison, isn't it? Yeah, Force... Is it Force 9? Weird. Yeah, don't know what that means. And we meet Jack Slade. Or as I know him, D.I. Burnside <laughs> from the bill. Bastards. Did you take him? What do you think? I could ask you the same thing. I never thought you were guilty, Dad. You didn't come to my trial. You told me not to. You could have argued. What, with you? I tried to see you. I didn't want you to see me. Not like this. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Christopher Ellison, absolutely terrified of him as a child I was by him. He's got a very stern-looking face. I think he's a great actor, but he is... Chilling. Now, I don't know about the bill. Was he a good cop or was he a rogue? Or No, he was very much a rogue. He was very much do his own sort of thing, get things uh, done sort of guy, as you can imagine. Good detective work, but he did what he wants. You don't mess with him. Presumably he was still in the bill at the time. So I reckon this was like, they would have thought that was a pretty cool bit of casting. Um, Yeah, because he, I think his spin-off was what? I think his spin-off ended in, what, 2000? Hmm. So yeah, he must have been. I think so. Yeah. So, um, what I will say is, Jeff obviously gets his charisma from his mum <laughs> because <laughs> indeed he's a bit of a stony character, isn't he? Or Jack? There's a weird back and forth here of like, why don't you come and visit me? Well, you said you didn't want me to visit you. Yeah, I didn't want you to see me like this. Why weren't you at the trial? Well, you said don't. Yeah, but you could have. <laughs> like, make your mind up. <laughs> we go over the circumstances of Jack being set up. Two grand stashed under the floorboards. Anyone could have put it there. The night after the bank raid, we had a celebration. You know, job well done, out on the town, drinks all round. Next thing I know, they trace the notes back. Serial numbers. Someone planted them on me. I don't know how. I don't suppose over will. Your partner was a man called Aldroyd? He's not involved in this. Hmm. Gareth Aldroyd, he was a good mate. At least until all this happened. After that, he didn't want to know. Never heard from him since. There's a lot of similarities. So, coincidentally... Yes. The fence was one Leonard Gebler. Bruce Grobbler. <laughs> so, only a fool couldn't put two and two together at this point. Uh, so, Jeff hasn't put two and two together. <laughs> That's the one thing that's an issue with a detective, when you're not able to join the dots. So, Jeff decides to go into work, as per usual, um, and sneak around. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Holly's just got to wait around because she's already there. Yep. 
So she can't go in. But he sneaks around, he locks Frank in his cage. Quietly does it. And then goes to see Gebler one-on-one. He wants to know where the diamonds are. Gebler is giving nothing away. You know my father. Do I? Jack Slade? He remembers you. Oh, yes. Jack Slade. Hmm. He was rather a naughty boy, wasn't he? All that money. Where are the diamonds? He attacks him, obviously. Yeah. Grabs him. He's very good in this, Stephen Greif. Very good. He loses his accent a little bit along the way, but he's got a lot of power. He's got a charm, eloquence, and knows exactly what he can and can't get away with and knows exactly what buttons to press. So he's not giving any info about these diamonds. Gebler reminds Jeff that they have got nothing on him. Nothing! No. He goes, I'll be out by lunchtime. Don't you worry. <laughs> so meanwhile, Holly, our Holly, is um, sneaking around the car park. It turns out she's the one that's opening the car and leaving it running for Jeff. And I thought, this is good. She sets it up. That's fine. But I was thinking that she would go and steal Morris's keys and then, you know, do it legitimately. But no, Morris has helped her out in the sense that he's not locked his car and he's left the keys in the ignition anyway. So all Holly's really done to set this up is open the door. But no, it would have been a bit better if she'd managed to get them out of his pocket without being seen or, you know, something like that. It would have been a funny scene as well. It would have been a bit of jeopardy. But no, they're there already. And then we see Jeff inside the police station next to an alarm. And as I said earlier, Jeff is learning because he realises it's me that presses the alarm. Bashes it in. Yeah. How dramatic. Because he's looking at himself being interviewed and he remembers it. Really clever. I like it when all of this links together. I do like it. Same. Yeah. And now, finally, five weeks in. Oh... We finally get what I've been waiting for. Two Jeffs in one shot. Yeah, it didn't seem like there was a wig in sight. I paused it, looked, and was like, they've actually done it. They've done it. And you know what? Really well done. It's a nicely timed little bit of split screen, yeah. Because it includes Jeff pushing the trolley out. He sort of looks around. I tell you what, Jeff looks more excited than me at seeing himself. (laughs) He's got a right little wide-eyed little smile on his face. Shoves out the trolley, and it all links up very nicely. Morris goes arse over tit again, so we get to laugh at that again. Poor, poor Morris. I think he should be speaking to HR, if there is a HR department, and it's not just Holly. Cut back to Force 9 prison. Yes. Jack Slade. He's worked it out. I've worked it out. I'm sorry, but you're not making yourself clear. Listen, Warden, I've been locked up now for five years and one month. And suddenly, it's all very bloody clear to me. Now, I need to speak to Jeff. It's urgent. Telephones are available between 6 and 8 o'clock this evening. You have an entitlement to a six-minute call. I need one minute. But I need it now. I'm sorry, but the rules are there for a reason. I'm sure I can wait. I know. I understand. Prisons have got to have rules. That's what the guy says. But... Yeah, it's not an unreasonable request, is it? All he needs to say is, look, my son's a police officer, he's trying to solve a case, and I need to give him a vital bit of information. But he doesn't. Yeah. Jack goes, right, plan B. (laughs) Plan B. Where's the laundry? (laughs) We We cut back to Jeff in another cafe. Holly comes in to meet him. So this I do not understand. 
Instead of going straight back to the machine, Jeff just wants Holly to do him a little favour. Who am I calling? Grisham. Grisham? Mm-hmm. What am I going to say to her? Gebler said he'd be released by lunchtime, and we're going to help him on his way. Grisham. You want me to do what? Yes. Who is this? Jeff wants Holly to phone Grisham, presumably with some kind of fake accent. Or I wasn't aware of her vocal talents. No. Um, it's weird. She's got this skill. Yeah, don't know why he couldn't have done it himself. We don't hear what Holly says, but we just get Grisham's side of it. God knows what <laughs> what was said on the other side, or what kind of voice Holly well, did. Well, there's so many questions, because it's Holly. She's not got any voice changer. And why, why does Grisham agree? It doesn't make any sense. No. And he was going to get let out anyway. I don't know what's happening. Anyway. Whatever happens, Grisham goes to release yeah. Gebler. Gebler knows that there were no diamonds in the pouch. And the reason he knows is because Jeff told him. Yes. Somebody called Sled. Grisham's like, what on earth are you on about? Jeff was on a park bench. So he knew the diamonds had gone? Of course he knew. Without the diamonds, we can't formally charge you, Mr. Gabler, but we do know where to find you. And when we do find the diamonds, we'll be back. All right, Frank. Anything I can do to help? You only have to ask. Always a pleasure. This way. This is another nice bit of acting from Stephen Graith because he's doing that thing where he's like pretending to be really, really helpful and polite and respectful, but actually just playing them like, oh, no, you've got nothing on me, don't you? Really? Yeah, he's good, isn't he? I can be of any more help. Don't hesitate to call. All this kind of thing. Nice. So Jeff and Holly follow Gebler and the watch beeps yep. for one hour. So this is it. One hour. Meanwhile, at the prison... Here we go. It's uh, Jack Slade on the bottom of a lorry escape from prison. In a way that can not be possible, surely, even in the 90s. It's easy. So it's only just occurred to him five years in. Could have just escaped. I mean, risky. How did he get under there? Maybe he's got some contacts, people to help him out to look the other way, you know. Mm. He certainly didn't turn on the charm, I'll tell you that. In a few episodes things have the word time on them. Yep. And this says laundering time, same day, which you wouldn't have on the side of a lorry. But it's just an excuse to put time into it. Time. Be close by the word time. Time. You don't have to hold on for too long because at the first set of traffic lights, he rolls out <laughs> and runs away. Yeah, you think he would get caught, wouldn't you? But there we are. Yeah. Probably could have walked out. Holly and Jeff have followed Gebler to a hotel. Gebler checks in. Well, he certainly can afford a nice glass of hotel. 40 minutes. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, I'm sir. Gebler. Thank you. And then Holly and Jeff uh, go over to the receptionist and ask about Gebler and what room he's in. Police. The man who came in just now, what room is he staying in, please? Mr. Gebler, it's the tower room. It's on the top floor up there. And Jeff's eyes light up. Oh, no. I only noticed this today. Jeff goes, <gasps> ding, 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 ding. It's parkour slave time. 
Now, I've got a slight issue with this. Okay. Because obviously, Jeff's doing more parkour, same as ever. Yeah. We've got close-ups of his face, long shots of the man in the wig, slipping on every step, pretty much. Yeah, I, I've actually wrote here, too much. Too much. It's just becoming comical. He walks along a glass roof with his arms out. A glass roof which everyone can see through, by the way. And all he's doing really is getting that surveillance equipment that Holly was yes. testing before and sticking it against the window and just having a listen in. Surely he could have just taken the lift up and put that on the door. Yeah, I think he just wanted to climb. Exactly, he must do. I mean, I suppose so far we've only seen that it does work through glass. I mean, it's not very good surveillance equipment, is it? If it can only go through glass. <laughs> anyway, it's a good job this surveillance equipment is uh, crystal clear, isn't it? Sticks it on the glass and manages to hear perfectly Gebler's phone call. Yeah, like a dream. Well, it's sooner than I expected. Yeah, you were right there. There was no way they could hold me. Seven o'clock this evening. I'll see you at the warehouse. He gets back quick, doesn't he? Shoots back through the window. I mean, it's just magic. <laughs> yeah, I mean... He- <laughs> He comes back through the window to Holly like he has just come off the bottom of a slide. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Back. Um, so there's three minutes to go. They're ducking the police again. So every single time. So they have to go into the back entrance of Holly's house. Yeah, which we didn't know about. So they go in that way. They bump into... Danny. Can you explain to me how about three seconds ago you went up those stairs and... Now you just come from down there? Uh, don't bother. <laughs> don't even try. He wants answers. Or does he? Never mind. Don't need to know. Don't need the hassle. You just, you do you. And I'll do me. So they're back just in time. Everyone reappears. When time resets itself. Yeah. Which is a weird thing, and it's been speculated on like how exactly this kind of works. Because they wouldn't reappear, would they, really? No, they should be there. Yeah, exactly right. There must be some kind of time lock force field thing in that room. Like, has time in stasis or something. Yeah, it must stop. Or creates like a slightly alternate parallel time where the other Jeff and Holly aren't running in to use the machine. And then it all comes back oh, together again. yes, I get it. Makes sense. Time resets itself. Everyone sees the bloody lights shining in the flat again, and no one questions it. <laughs> like, yeah. this is very reminiscent of episode two, where they just open the door to them and go, okay, right, here we go. Mm. This time, slightly different, because Jeff turns himself in. It's okay, old Royce. She wasn't going to let me stay. I'm all yours. Why'd you do it, Jeff? You know, after what I've been through with your dad. Oh, maybe it's like what you said. Like father, like son. We cut to an interview room. Jeff plays a dangerous game here. He says he did take the diamonds. Guilty as charged. Right, where are they? You can't have a solicitor present. Of course, solicitor's not going to help me. Oh, for heaven's sake, why are you trying to make this more unpleasant than it already is? Just tell us what you've done with the diamonds. I mean, in the long run, it could stand in your favour. Just for the record, Slade hasn't admitted he took the diamonds. I took them, Chief. What? I'm sorry. It was stupid. Just like my father all those years ago. Maybe it's in the jeans. Those high-waisted jeans. Jeff says he hasn't got the diamonds, or he doesn't know where they are, but he knows where they will be. 
uh, warehouse, seven o'clock. Old droid is suspicious. He doesn't like it, so he thinks there's something fishy going on, mm. which there is. But I think Grisham is kind of starting to understand that something's not quite right. Yeah, just playing a long game here. Yeah, yeah. I see. Let's do it. You know, Grisham may very well think or know that Jack was set up. And so when Jeff is saying, like father, like son, it clicks that, oh yeah, this is actually very similar. So she says, yep, yeah, we're going to the warehouse. And she wants Aldroid there. Because Aldroid goes, well, you can go. I'm not going. <laughs> Grisham's like, well, yeah. <laughs> this is your cage. You need to go. So they're all off back to the warehouse. And this time it is dark. Uh, it's 7pm. Pitch black. Yeah. So, <laughs> As you would expect. <laughs> at 7. Makes sense. So they're waiting around. Back at the police station, Jack kidnaps Nikki. <laughs> Brilliant. Where's Jeff Slade? Uh, actually, this area is prohibited to the general public. If you want to try genuine inquiry... Do you know where they've gone? Yes. You're taking me there. No, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. Get in. So there we go. Jack and Nikki, the odd couple. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Pricky Nikki and Burnside. <laughs> so at the warehouse, a car pulls up and Lenny arrives. Yeah. Meanwhile, Nikki's going through some bloody kidnapping procedure. My name is Nikki Robson. I'm 23. I'm not married, but I, I, I do have a girlfriend. What are you telling me all this for? It's the Stockholm guidelines on hostage situations creating rapport. Standard procedure. And I've had a quick look up at this and I couldn't find anything. So. Stockholm guidelines. No, I couldn't either. Uh, we find out two things about him, though. He's 23, which is depressing. Yeah, 23 years too many. And he's got a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, oh, this is the Stockholm Guidelines for making a rapport with your captor. Well, it's not going to work if you tell him. That's what it is. Um. <laughs> Jack, very rightly, just looks at him like, what the hell are you banging on about? It would have helped if he'd said to Nicky his name. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been, made a bit more sense. And I'm Jack Slade. I need to find Jeff quickly. Yeah, I mean, man a few words. Meanwhile, there's a bit of a standoff because Lenny is waiting and Slade says to Aldroid, yeah, go on, go and arrest him then. Well, what are you waiting for, Aldroid? Why don't you arrest him? No, I can't do that. I only just released him. Has he got the diamonds? He knows where they are. I'll arrest him? No. No. It was Aldroid's investigation. It's his arrest. Your move, Gareth. But then he's kind of pushed forward off. Yeah, this is a good bit by Gebler, isn't it? I love this bit. As soon as Gebler sees him, he does a bloody song and dance. Hey! Hey! We did it! Shut up! What are you talking about? It worked like a dream! Shut up! (laughs) I got the money! <laughs> what are you talking about? We did it! <laughs> I've got the money, yeah. <laughs> we are criminals, you and me. <laughs> so the the cat's out the bag with that one. Yeah. Which anyone with any sense would have realised about half an hour ago. But Grisham's like, yeah, right, I see what you're doing there, Slade. Brilliant. Jack pulls up, steely blue eyes. He's got a very good face, Christopher Ellison, hasn't he? But not necessarily as a goodie. 
money just falls out of the case and flies everywhere like the crystal maze. <laughs> Aldridge trying to grab it off him. Shut up! It's fantastic. There's a shot of um, Jeff walking towards that money that's in the air, which I think is a really good yeah. shot of Jeff walking through it slowly. I really like that shot. Yeah. I mean, he wants to keep away from that because some of that could end up under his floorboards if he's not careful. And we'll be back to square one. Aldroid offers Jeff a bribe in an attempt to spare himself. Says to Jeff, take these diamonds and set you up for life. And then Jeff refuses. No. So Aldroid pulls a gun and gets in Gebler's car, drives away. But who's driving in the opposite direction? But Jack. Yes. And neither of them are slowing down. No, really gripping stuff. Jack has an absolutely stone-cold expression on his face. Very good stare. I can see why you were terrified of him. Mm, indeed. He tells Nicky to get out, doesn't he? Nicky, get out. Get out of the car. Which is more than Jeff would have done. Yeah, exactly. If it was Jeff, he would have just put his foot down. <laughs> Aldroid is the one that chickens out at the last second, takes a bit of a swerve and flips upside down right into some crates. But bloody hell, it's like amazing. Goes through the air. Yeah. Spins about ten times in the air. <laughs> Crashes. Yeah, this was proper movie stuff. This was really well done. Really, I felt well acted. Great moment. I mean, he would be dead. Dead? Hello, Jack. Kate. Could have killed him. No such luck, I'm afraid. Get off! So Jeff and Holly explained the whole thing to Grisham, that the diamonds were switched at the warehouse, while we were all looking at Gebler punching that man in the face. <laughs> Classic misdirection. For just a few seconds, everyone was looking at Gebler. Oldroyd was holding the diamonds. Now, it was important that we knew they were real diamonds. That's why he insisted on Holly being there. Once you'd authenticated them, he wrapped them up in that blue velvet pouch. With an identical pouch full of plastic beads sitting in his pocket. Simple as that. And there we go. Crime solved. And so we get the last little scene here. So we've gone to Holly's flat, interestingly. You know, where you keep a massive time machine. And Jeff's doing the cooking, obviously. Don't know what he's cooking. Even after he's made it, I've no idea what it is. No. But he... um, Sure it's nice. He asks for some fenugreek. You got any fenugreek? Fenugreek. He says it as if it's like salt. Yes. <laughs> Have you got any salt? Have you got any pepper? He says it like that. Have you got any fenugreek? Smells good. Have you got any fenugreek? Fenny what? Fenugreek. It's a spice. Don't you ever make anything? I made this. <laughs> oh, that again. Um, we should have done this at your place. Three people, two plates. Don't worry, you'll be fine. Just keep that door shut. He does a funny line, which I'd not spotted before, where he goes, what, do you never make anything? And she holds up like a big bit of machinery going, yeah, I made this. <laughs> <laughs> bit more important, don't you think? There's a fenugreek. There's a little knock on the door and Holly goes to answer it with a weird, not at all steady cam. Yes. <laughs> Almost like a documentary, like the following Louis Theroux or something down a corridor. And it's Jack. Dun, dun, dun. Here comes Jack Slade who, let's not forget, escaped from prison. Yeah, he did break out, and he also attempted to kill someone, didn't he? So, yeah. There's um, another thing, innit? A lot of this would not stand up <laughs> in reality. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, he's here. 
with some champagne. And that's a nice little gesture, isn't it? Mm. Oh, you shouldn't have Jack. I didn't. Kate Grisham sent me a crate. Just go straight through. I hope you don't mind eating in the kitchen, but we're painting the sitting room, so it's a terrible mess in there. (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Zero charisma again. But yeah, Grisham's giving him a big crate of champagne. Thanks, Jack. Sorry for five years of your life. Sorry. (laughs) Whether Grisham was involved, I don't know. (sighs) I didn't think about that. I wonder if it was the same force and whether they were colleagues. Cut to the table with the meat in the meal. I don't know what the meal is. I paused it. I tried to have a look. I don't know what he needed fenugreek for. On the plate, it basically looks like a load of peas and gravy. <laughs> Rocket leaves or something. On the tiny table, Holly says that, um, that, oh, we have to eat in the dining room because we're decorating the living room. And then it cuts to like the buzzing machine. They're only round her place in the first place because Jeff can't be bothered to buy any furniture. Otherwise, it would all be around his for his reunion with his dad. There's a nice moment where Jack says, oh, you can cook to Holly. And Holly says, thanks. Oh, yeah. And Holly just takes credit for it. But Jeff lets her have it. Good job it wasn't her cooking. Otherwise, he'd just be getting a plate of burnt ashes (laughs) for his dinner. Yes. So uh, Jack has worked it out that Jeff was in two places at once. You came to see me at nine o'clock in the morning in jail, right? Yeah. Well, as I understand it, at nine o'clock in the morning, you were lying unconscious in some park after Aldroyd had knocked you out. Ah. He wasn't really knocked out. No. We just pretended. In order to trap Aldroyd? Yeah. We'd always suspected him after what happened to you. And we followed him to his hotel and saw he had the diamonds, so... And the only reason we came to you was because we wanted to check that that was the way he worked. That it really was him. Fine. That's what I thought. Makes sense. Yeah, Jack goes along with it, but doesn't believe them, clearly. And then, this is a weird bit. Mm. A weird little line. Because he's found, in the prison library, there was a book by Frederick Turner. Who seems to be, it's weird, seems to be very, very well known. Gets more mm. and more famous every time. I just thought originally he was just a guy doing all kind of secret experiments. But no, he was like, people know that he was doing time stuff. Yeah, it seems to be like Albert Einstein. <laughs> exactly. Jack Slade knows who he is. Holly Turner. You're not related to uh, Frederick Turner by any chance, are you? He's my father. Really? So... This was his flat, where he lived and worked. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Because, you see, I found this book in the prison library by him. It's all about time travel. Time travel? That must have been the fiction section, right, Dad? I don't know. I never read it. Right. I might, though. He knows something's up. And this is good because it'd be good to get him on as a little trusted confidant. And maybe Jack can go back in time with him. Can't wait to see him next week for the continuing adventures of Jack, Jeff and Holly. Brilliant. Yeah. And then we just end on um, some chewing. (laughs) (laughs) It's brilliant. Squinting his eyes. Yeah. There's more to this than meets the eye. With his lips pushed out. And there we go. We end, just end on him chewing for about 10 seconds. Chews of the father. <laughs> oh, so mm. that's the end of the episode. 
I don't mean to seem too relieved about that because actually I've been enjoying it more and more every time I've watched it, even though I think it might be still my least favourite. I don't know. Really? Okay. I'll have to reassess maybe. I really like that episode. I've watched it a lot. Mm. It's um, (laughs) got everything in it that I like. (laughs) The Bill. Um, Morris falling over a tray. Uh, (laughs) Nicky being a prick. (laughs) Great stuff. (laughs) Love it. Yeah, as well. and, and the actual crime itself was good, worked. Yeah, framing him, that was good. The actual swap of the diamonds was good, and Aldroyd being bent and working with Gebler. And Gebler was a great actor. Aldroyd was a great actor as well, RIP. I do think it may have been more interesting for either the audience or Holly to not quite believe Jeff. It was obvious from quite early on that Aldroyd had something to do with it and it was all a big setup. Because that could have been really powerful when he's pretending to be guilty as well. We could have gone, oh, Jeff, wow, I can't believe it. And it would have been a nicer twist. Really, it was the Jack Slade element that I wasn't keen on. There could be a bit more depth to it, couldn't there? Because it came out of nowhere. We'd had little seeds planted in other episodes, but I just don't see him as Jeff's dad. No. Well, as you said, maybe his mum. It's more like him. Yeah. I know, yeah, I mean, where is his mum? Is his mum suddenly going, oh, God, I've got Jack back in the house now. Um, (laughs) Just got used to being on my own. Yeah. I would have liked maybe a different actor or a different characterisation. I probably would have got Kevin Lloyd to play his dad who was more known as Tosh from the bill. <laughs> Complete opposite. <laughs> um, he died in 1998, but, so we could have done this. I think that would have been great. If we're going to get a member of the bill, should have got Tosh. Yeah, I think he might have had a bit more warmth than Christopher Ellison. To me, it seems as though he's going to be a bad guy. It doesn't seem to me that he's going to be on their side, like you were saying. To me, it came across like he was going to get involved and scupper their plans. Ooh. I'm sure we'll find out in the next few episodes when he appears as a regular character. We will. So, stay tuned for that. Yeah, I've got nothing else really to say about that. (laughs) Sick of it. (laughs) We are sick of Crime Traveller. What else can possibly be said about it? Uh, Before we go, just quickly, in episode one, we suggested that perhaps there wasn't that many Crime Traveller podcasts. Guess what? There only is. Just since we started, admittedly, it was a while ago now, but um, since we started, there's been loads. And also, some older ones have just popped up out of nowhere from about five years ago. Some of them just focus on the first episode and then give up. Yeah. But other ones are doing like two episodes at a time, getting through them quick. And there's a reason that they can do two in one episode, because they don't spend as much time as we do complimenting it. (laughs) I'll just say that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we do critique and go, okay, yeah, that is hilarious and funny. But we also do kind of say when something is good and and when something has been well written or or, or well done. So I I think you have to. Yeah, there's things I want to say about Crime Traveller that I don't say out of politeness. So there were certain things where I was going, yep, yep, correct, correct. (laughs) But I would never say, I've edited quite a few of your comments out. (laughs) (laughs) over the last few episodes i'm sorry but (laughs) if you thought where was my searing comment about well it went i wasn't going to listen to them really at first but i just like crime traveler but uh it's yeah it's funny the things that they talk about and the things they don't talk about and some of it i spend going no no that's wrong he didn't say that it's not set in reading (laughs) yeah and i can prove it because i've got all the addresses on google street maps Mm. And finally, our friend 
Ian Orkish suggested that we're doing a bit of a character assassination of Jeff Slade. Yeah, maybe he said it partly in jest. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'm sure he did. Um, and I'm sure we do like to bring up that Jeff is somewhat of a maverick. Yeah. Um, but And a weird um, human. But let me just tell you something. Yeah, and a weird so, human being. Look at this. This is the dictionary speaking. Character assassination, the malicious and unjustified harming of a person's good reputation. In what possible way does that fit with us slagging off Jeff Slade? He hasn't got a good reputation, and it's not unjustified either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He hasn't got a good reputation to slag off, has he? So he climbs on the top of buildings for no reason. Unjustified. Bloody hell, and you want to hear some of these other podcasts if you think we're doing a character assassination? <laughs> Let me tell you. If anybody else wants to contact us about anything at all, haikus, drawings, photographs, spam, anything you want. Uh, Just send all of that (laughs) to our email address or our Facebook page. Antonickpressplay at gmail.com. Is that right? That is right, yes. Yeah, just let us know. Anything, really. We love it. Yeah, and if anyone else wants to accuse us of being unfair to Jeff Slade, then yes, please do get in touch. Character assassination. I mean, I don't think we've done too much character assassination today. Um, I think we've had quite a jovial time. And thank the Lord we've finally got to the end of that episode. Um, Even though I enjoy it, um, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it for another 10 years, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Maybe longer. I'm looking forward to watching episode six um, again. Yes, which will be Death Minister. Yeah, I like that one. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> Brilliant. So, until next time, everyone, take care and uh, keep on listening, please. <laughs> we'll record properly in future, promise. Bye. <laughs> See you later, everyone. See you next time. Death Minister. Do you need a song? Do you need a dance? Some music that's special and new. Super duper duper super duper 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 du